Welcome to the Tamarin Learning Podcast, where host Dr. Kirby Ross-Plock speaks with experts on many topics relevant in the ultra-high net worth family wealth management space. Kirby is author of several books, including The Complete Family Office Handbook, and shares her expertise consulting with families and family offices. Kirby is also the founder of Tamarin Learning, an online wealth education platform that develops practical, foundational learning programs for beneficiaries to help them prepare for responsible stewardship of wealth. Welcome to the Tamarin Learning Podcast. My name is Dr. Kirby Rosbach, and I'm the host. And today I'm thrilled to have Katie Spencer with us. And we're going to be talking about a topic that's pretty near and dear in my heart, which is the topic of legacy. Now, Katie's spent a lot of her career focused on this topic, and I'm going to let her tell you a bit more about her practice and how she came to this work. So welcome, Katie. Thank you, Kirby. I'm happy to be here. And yeah, so I um, am Dr. Katie Spencer, and I have a practice called Northbound Consulting. Uh, I focus a lot on family dynamics, coaching and facilitation, and helping families identify and articulate their legacy as part as a critical part of that family dynamics process. I came to this work through my own personal experience as a G5, G6 family member, generations five, generation six. Um, on both sides of my family, we started working with a consultant doing family dynamics work and immediately felt the impact um, of having that support, having intentional conversations and really getting clear um, on what legacy is and means in our lives, how it's a thread across generations and what it means individually. I also happened to be at that time doing my training in clinical psychology. And so I've woven into my work that experience in human behavior um, and facilitation of groups uh, with this personal journey that I will always be on and navigating within my multi-generational family system with my husband um, and with my kids. So yeah, it's a little bit about me and how I came to this place. Well, I love that it's so deeply personal for you. And I find that when we work from something that we're committed and passionate about, but then also we have experienced ourselves, there's that authenticity to a legacy conversation that is so moving, can be so powerful. I know you mentioned that sometimes your take on legacy isn't a traditional or conventional approach. Maybe you can talk a little bit more about how you think about legacy, what this legacy journey kind of looks like and how this can be transformational. Yeah, so like I said, my mom brought somebody in to work with our family and what she's really been an inspiration for me in what I do professionally, how I bring this all into my personal life and how I think about concepts that we talk about within this space, such as legacy. The biggest thing that my mom, one of the most important things she's given me is the encouragement and the emphasis on legacy being mine. Legacy to me, legacy is what you want to be remembered for. It's what you will be remembered for, um, depending on how you live your life. That will determine the legacy you live, you leave behind. Um, and for me, the most important part about legacy and family systems 
is to acknowledge where's the piece of that that is multi-generational and there's something to be honored from generations that came before. Um, but most importantly, that to me only goes well um, if every individual in the family system is seen, heard, appreciated, um, encouraged to come out with what they want their individual legacy to be. And that has always been my mom's message to us, my dad's as well. Um, you know, how do you want to be remembered in your life? And that comes as number one priority um, long before any conversation about what I hear in this space a lot is stewarding legacy, um, stewardship of somebody else's legacy, which mm. is an important piece of the conversation. But to me, that's the cherry on top of the Sunday. And if you don't have a really amazing Sunday, in front of you, a self-defined legacy, stewardship of someone else's legacy is going to erode family relationships and well-being. So um, I don't know if that's an entirely different spin, but I think I do emphasize um, different things first. And when do you find that individuals are ready to sort of think of their personal legacy versus a legacy that they might have inherited or are expected to steward? At the core, yesterday. <laughs> I think everybody um, is longing for someone um, or a moment in their lives where they're really encouraged to look inward and self-define what they want their footprint to be. Um, you know, how do they want their kids or their partner or their friends or their colleagues to remember them? Um, and I think a lot, most people in the world, not just in the space that we're working and talking, working within and talking about, aren't given that space. No one's asking um, that question. Um, and I think within this space, we're often asking about um, how are we supporting somebody or like honoring or living, stewarding um, somebody else's legacy that could be five, six generations ago, right? Um, and where the emphasis ends up landing there and staying there um, at the cost, I think, of um, what ultimately contributes to both individual well-being and success within a family. Powerful. So help me um, also sort of think about the tension for a multi-generational family that might have lots of different in important and interesting storylines as part of this sort of multi-generational side of the family. And then thinking about that now generation who's sort of on the precipice of like, where do, where am I going next and what's important? Talk to me about how you see that tension play out and how you support that cultivation of the me legacy, right? Well, I think the key word there is tension. Um, and I see this conversation contributing to a lot of tension um, and a lot of unfulfillment. Um, you know, one story that pops into my mind and we can go more into what does it look like in a multi-generational family as opposed to, is it different with a G1 family? But the family I'm thinking about um, was a first generation wealth creator um, and then adult family members in their 30s and 40s, uh, children, adult children in their 30s and 40s. And, um, you know, the question of how do we engage, engage them in this family business that often starts somewhere in a family business engage them and help them, you know, steward this, grow it, um, keep it going from, they want to become a multi-generational family of wealth mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. um, impact and influence. And so 
that's always that question that I get is how do we engage them? How do we hook them in? And my process is well with an enormous step back. <laughs> Um, yeah. because, and what we did within that family system and how I approach it with a lot of families is let, you know, communication skills, kind of all these foundation built, foundational building blocks, but really pulling out and getting to know each individual as though for the first time, what are their individual values? What are their individuals, not just strengths, but gifts? What are they put on this earth to do? What, what do they want their legacy to be and give them the, the breathing room and then the facilitated guide and guided space around that conversation to hear each other. And it's amazing, even the generation one family member, there's new things coming out that their kids never would have heard that have nothing to do with the family business, right? Um, and then hearing, so there's one son in this family system who, you know, is the big question mark around, is he ever gonna get his stuff together and get engaged and hook in and, and steward this, this, this story? Um, <clears throat> Turns out he really wanted to be a fly fishing, a fly fishing guide on a boat in Florida. And this was the first time he'd had a chance to really say that and light up. And then we got to hear the other family members say, wow, like I just saw a whole different level of energy um, in this conversation. And of course, there's a little bit of like, oh, how's that going to go? By the end of that year, he was doing this. He had had the support and the conversation with his family. He was successfully employed doing his pursuing his dream his own legacy that's that part of that conversation and and i don't always guarantee this as a result but he was way he had more space then to say like and here are the areas of the family business that actually are intriguing to me like we invest in different properties and different activities and like actually boats <laughs> boats might be able to be part of this conversation so he was able to start engaging in what was kind of his dad's um, and, you know, part of his dad's legacy and kind of in that stewardship category or as a stakeholder, I like to say, from his own place of empowerment. And this is what's actually of interest to me. And it's coming as this additional component in my life, not like my life itself. Um, mm. So I hope that, that kind of paints the picture of of how I like to approach that work within a family and have that conversation. That's so fascinating. And I can imagine that there is this powerful dynamic when we are looking at parents and children, especially as they're more mature and sort of coming to their own individuation and thinking about where they fit in this bigger puzzle <clears throat> about really digging into their legacy, not just the parent's legacy. Yes, exactly. So maybe go back to this multi-generational legacy conversation and, and dig into us more about how you see that tension or that opportunity. I always think that sometimes tension is really just shift, shift it the other way and it's an opportunity to unlock or transform or help families move that are stuck. Maybe we can dig in a little bit more there. Yeah, I totally agree. Anytime, you know, whether it's tension or conflict, um, you know, conflict to me, Brene Brown, not Brene Brown, um, Tarbrock says that mm -hmm. conflict is basically multiple people coming at something with a strategy to address unmet needs, which to me is like, well, that's ripe with opportunity. There's unmet needs here. Um, there's strategy involved. How can we 
at least shed light on those things and shift it um, towards growth uh, within a family system. So I, I totally agree that it is an opportunity. Um, well, I guess one thing I was thinking earlier, the, one of the differences between that G1 family I was talking about and what you can see tension-wise or opportunity-wise in a, a family like mine, um, you know, where it's five, six generations, um, or even we're talking like three generations, it starts getting a lot more complicated. Um, the grooves are in more deeply, and you can have multiple generations of people who haven't identified their own legacy, and they're really focused on, and this is, you know, um, simplifying a complicated conversation, obviously, in my response here even, um, but the grooves are deep and there's multiple generations who have been stepping into shoes. Um, and what I see that maybe they weren't meant to fill. Sometimes it can be a process of pounding a square peg into a round hole. Um, and that is happening across generations. And so that the expectation or the bar gets more um, ingrained within the family system. Um, and I think that that can add an element of it's hard to harder to break out of it. I think in that G1 family I was just talking about, you know, this is new to them, you know, so when somebody like me comes in and, and says, have you thought about it this way? Are you willing to approach it this way? There's a little more flexibility and openness. Um, so it can be a little harder, I think, uh, to rock the boat um, or to, to introduce that there's, you know, there's this path we've been on for multiple generations and there's this frontage road over here, you know, and there's this other trail right here. Like, are you willing, willing to look at it can um, be a little harder. The reins can be held on to a bit more tightly in terms of um, relinquishing what it looks like in terms of passing down roles, um, expectations across families, you know, even because we did it this way, so it needs to carry on. You know, my grandmother did it this way, and so it needs to carry on. Just the grooves are a bit a bit deeper, but at, at the same time, when we shift that into the opportunity, um, there's also people are ready for change. We've been seeing it done this way for many generations, and new generation is is coming up with new ideas and so there can also be a, a readiness for change um, that I also see in yeah and I, I think to honoring the piece one piece I see as helpful for regardless of how many generations wealth has been in the picture is when you do honor the legacy um, of the older generations there is more likelihood to release some of the control. Um, so when we don't honor it, uh, then I think the reins are gripped onto more tightly. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful statement because that recognition and validation and respect um, shown in the form of honoring is also um, kind of giving permission maybe to let go. Right. So exactly. I think there's so much that goes into legacy that can be extraordinarily healing and help with those very tense moments of, but I can't let go or I don't want to let go or I, I'm not done yet. Um, 
And at the same time, I think part of shifting, I, what I love about conversation we're having is shifting that legacy to the now generation helps reinforce that it's okay. Like you, we can focus on the future and not continually look in the rearview mirror. And we can focus on what we're co-creating that's next that gives you permission or gives you comfort that you, you don't have to hold on so tightly, right? And um, fear what's coming. Tell, tell me a little bit more about the legacy letters and legacy books that you create. I'm just fascinated by that. Yeah, well, and actually the family I was talking about earlier is a nice example too of the dad also, you could feel the sense of um, relief just when his story was heard. And to see, you know, this was a classic kind of father-son dynamic that I've been weaving throughout this conversation. Um, the son hearing, you know, this didn't just start out of nowhere. He was, you know, collecting scraps of metal from a rail yard as a teenager. He was so entrepreneurial and he had so many failures along the way. And the opportunity to share that story, it's like he was able to kind of be like, oh, okay, at least my kids really get it. They know how hard I worked and where this these resources came from combined with the son feeling permission to live his own legacy in addition to like oh well there are pieces of this that are interesting like both it needed to those the conversation needed to happen for both and the legacy letters and the legacy books are a way to just art to capture that story um, in a way that's engaging um, in a way that hooks you in whether you want to be you know there are family members who don't want to be involved at all um in in kind of the stewardship conversation and um that's often because they have no idea what it even is right um and if they do it's written or or produced in a way um that's really not all that interesting um it can be really boring to read some of these um stories i've inherited some myself where i haven't even gotten through it yet um but story and hearing, you know, the origin story, the lessons learned, the failures, um, the failures and how you pull yourself back up after failing, um, those things are really important. And so um, to me, there's a spectrum of ways you can document uh, what the story is and the legacy letter, or I believe you call it legacy or a letter of intent. Um, there's different ways, I think, to describe a document and it can have different level levels of depth to it. Um, for me, I really like to have families think document that their individual values, their family values, if they're there, if they've done that work, um, which is a whole separate conversation. Uh, I feel really strongly that family values need to be built on individual values so everyone can see themselves reflected in it. Lessons learned, um, intentions for resources, like if there are expectations for how resources are going to be used or expectations for involvement in, you know, the legacy, um, making that explicit in these letters, hopes and dreams for your children, for future generations. It's an opportunity to give words and story to what historically can all sometimes just be passed down in estate planning documents and that's it. And those are the most boring ones to receive, there's very little story involved. And so it's painting out the picture, it's bringing humanity and um, humor and authenticity into the conversation around resources, um, whether it's a bit, whether a business is involved or not. Um, 
And I think a legacy letter falls somewhere in this middle of the spectrum. I encourage families, if you can just put bullets down, that's better than nothing. Just make sure it's it's given to everybody. So you're adding clarity. Um, and then all the way down to, or up to our legacy books, which can really cap, build out you know, a huge um, story, uh, pictures, archival documents, all those things. And then others do documentary films, which I think are incredibly powerful and, and just add a lot more meaning to what, you know, as Jay Hughes and others have written about, wealth can be a meteor or a gift. Um, and oftentimes inheritance lands as a meteor because there aren't, we aren't having these conversations around it and supplementing it, I think, with with these types of um, with types of documentation that paint out the story is really transformative in that inheritance process. Certainly, it's also transformative in the stages of grief, right? So how many people lose significant figures in their family and they realize they just wish, right? They just captured, you know, that last toast at the Christmas or, you know, birthday yeah. party or, you know, that last, um, you know, toast that they gave at a wedding or something that's just that Christmas card or whatever it is. And I, I feel like, another component of this is actually helping get closure um, and just the power of legacy as a way to bring closure to epic chapters and you know stories of families that go on um, you know more than one generation or even if it's a first generation founder just to really memorialize and capture uh, the impact right that typically many of these individuals have that shapes our own back to our own legacy right Mm -hmm. Yeah, it helps with closure. It helps with transitions of leadership, um, you know, and I don't know anybody. I mean, I guess there could be a very dysfunctional family where this isn't the case, but I think 99.9% .9 of the time, do you wish your, you know, say so your father dies, do you wish he'd left a little bit more money or that you had those words, you know, that you really knew some of his important life lessons and stories and you know, more often than not, that's the most cherished form of inheritance by far. Well, Dr. Katie, you have shared so many great insights. If there were one or two more um, thoughts to close out our podcast today, what would you want to leave listeners, viewers around legacy? I think uh, I always will land on anytime we're thinking about legacy, think about it yours is the most important and if you're thinking about the wellness of your children wealth and resources landing as a gift for your children i encourage you to be thinking about how to help them define and live out the life they want to be remembered for and the best way to do that for anybody um, is to to go inward and think about what do you want if you were to die tomorrow you know what do you want to be remembered for first and foremost what do you hope people would say about you and then get really really honest and that's the hard work with what would they say about you right now and there's always a gap there's always a gap so then this means nothing legacy means nothing if we don't take action because you know actions are what define our legacy so identify what the actions are to bridge that gap for yourself and then rinse and repeat over and over and over again. I can do this exercise today, define actions, 
try to fill in that gap to the best of my ability, I guarantee you a few months from now, I need to do it again. Um, and to do that for yourself. So you're living what the life, you know, that you want to be remembered for and help your kids do the same. And then you can talk about honoring the legacies of those that came before. Fantastic words of wisdom. Dr. Katie Spencer with us from Northbound Consulting. Thank you so much for being our treasured guests today on the Tamara Learning Podcast.